Hello and welcome to All Things Small Business, brought to you by DAU. I'm Ken Karka, DAU Small Business Learning Director. This series is offered as a continuing dialogue between government, industry, and academia on acquisition-related issues that impact small businesses who support the critical defense industrial base. Let's join today's conversation. Welcome to All Things Small Business. I'm Anthony Rotolo, and this is the show where acquisition and small business meet. We bring together business owners, contract experts, policymakers, and stakeholders, and we explore the issues facing small business and acquisition professionals as they work together to overcome challenges in a government and defense context. Now, sometimes on the show, we take things from the small business owner perspective. We have a lot of small business owners on the show. But with me for today's episode are a few of our colleagues on the government side. In fact, we've assembled a roundtable of Army small business professionals. They are, in turn, in no particular order, uh, Marie Gapinski, Material Systems Organization, Office of Small Business Programs. We also have Jerome Maltzby, Assistant Director of U.S. Army Medical Command, Office of Small Business Programs, and Christopher Evans, Director, Office of Small Business Programs for the Army Aviation and Missile Command in Redstone Arsenal, Alabama. By the way, I missed a couple of locations there. Jerome, you're in Fort Detrick, and Marie, I'm going to ask you where you are in just a second. But first, let me welcome you. Welcome to All Things Small Business. Thank you very much for for having us. Thank you. This is very exciting. This is a great opportunity because we have a chance to have a group conversation and kind of a collective mind of many years of experience all rolled into one for a conversation. Marie, where are you located? We're located outside of Detroit in Warren, Michigan, at the Detroit Arsenal. So the command itself is called the TACOM, which is the Tank Automotive and Armaments Command. Thank you. And Marie, while I have you on mic, give us a brief sketch of your experience and your current mission. And we're going to do this in turn, but Marie, starting with you. Well, as you mentioned, we're part of the Office of the Small Business Programs. I'm an assistant director. And what does that mean? It means I have a staff that is in charge of reviewing requirements and seeing where these small businesses can fit in those plans, whether we're awarding to them or whether we're going to subcontract with them. So it's kind of an exciting position for me because out of my 37 years, I spent 27 as a contracting officer. So to be on this side of the table and to be working to uh, achieve uh the ability for these small businesses to participate is very rewarding and uh, it's essential for mission. It sounds very fulfilling. I've I've had a few folks who have taken that career path. They've gone from being focused on the contract side to working directly with small businesses. And if you've been at it for some time, I imagine that's very rewarding to see the growth and impact on those businesses. Yeah, especially with the length of my career, because I originally started with uh, the uh, spare parts, which meant everything that was on a wheeled or tracked vehicle, we were responsible for procuring. So we understood the technical data packages, where the flaws were. So now in this position, I can work with my small business professionals. And when we're setting up the requirements, you know, we 
I kind of look at that stuff to see, did they really make those changes? Yes. <laughs> you know, are, are we going to have the same problems? Do we need a first article test? Where are we going? So it helps me with a different perspective. And I also have a background in production manufacturing, which helps the small businesses because sometimes we have folks that are looking to bid on something that they actually will not do as well. And so we try to make sure we find the right fit. May not be with my command, maybe with one of my peers. And and that's how that's that's basically how we try to get things done is to see where is the fit. Yeah, and I understand in your case, these folks are part of the supply chain supporting ground wheeled vehicles. Is that correct? That's part of it. We also we have the logistics teams and then we have the product executives. So we have all the program managers, whether they're um, tactical vehicles or ground combat vehicles. So um, we cover the gamut. So our contracting center is required to support all of those organizations. So we can have thousands of requirements come across our desks every year. Outstanding. Thank you for that, Marie. And Christopher, over to you. Christopher Evans. I have been part of the Department of Defense for 30 plus years at various commands and agencies, uh, all within the walls of or within the gates of Redstone Arsenal within Huntsville, Alabama. I started my career off as a contract specialist intern, have also worked as a contracting officer, as Marie has, and I'm sure Jerome, uh, procurement analyst. And probably about 12, 15 years ago, I had an opportunity to work at Missile Defense Agency in small business. Uh, Spent a few years there, went to headquarters, Army Contracting Command as deputy for small business, and currently now at Army Aviation Missile Command as the director of small business. Uh, So our our mission at AMCOM is basically we develop and deliver responsive aviation missile and calibration material uh, readiness to our soldiers. So we make sure that that happens to, to wherever they are at their point of need. Thank you. Thanks for that background. And last but not least, Jerome, if you would tell us about your background and experience. Yes, sir. Uh, Thanks for inviting uh, all three of us. Uh, My background is uh, somewhat similar, but maybe a little different. I started out in 1981. I came on board as a commissioned officer within the Army Medical Department. After 20 years, I retired in 2001. And the following year, I was appointed the Assistant Director uh, of the Small Business Programs for the United States Army uh, MedCom. So during my time frame, I have uh, had an opportunity to become an uh, integral part of being an advocate for small business. Uh, e- even before I came into the small business programs, uh, I was I was a logistics planner, did some other things, and uh, contracting officer. Uh, and this was an opportunity for me to come right on board and provide my expertise in being a, a staunch advocate for the small businesses that are interested in supplying relevant products, services, and business solutions to support uh, the Army Medical Command. The Army Medical Command, the, the overall mission is to provide ready and sustained health services support and force health protection in support of the total force that enables readiness and conserve the fighting strength while uh, caring for our people uh, and their families. So that's a broadly stated mission. And as you can imagine, with the recent um, uh, health uh, global pandemic with the COVID, you know, the United States Army MedCom is uh, right there in the mix of things. 
Yes, uh, this is very fresh in all of our minds. And in my world, producing many interviews like this, I just completed a series of seven and it's soon to be eight interviews with the Joint Acquisition Task Force. And it was very exciting. We got to see firsthand how folks like you took the tools of acquisition and applied it to this health crisis with a lot of creativity. You know, we have situations where you you had people in the fashion industry now producing masks and gowns and stories like that over and over again. And what boggles the mind is just how the output went sky high from what it had been. So very exciting. So, you know, just among the three of you, we have a diversity of different types of concerns, very different things that we're manufacturing, but I can already hear the the passion and concern that you have for small businesses and their link to national security. So you also are very experienced. We we collectively have many years. Now, this is not an ageist remark, so don't report me to my HR department, but you are all experienced people, experts in your trade. So this is a tremendous opportunity for me to ask you, if you were to evaluate the scene, just very broadly speaking, what would you say is our biggest challenge facing the DOD as we interact with small business today? And I'll let any one of you begin the conversation. I just like to mention budget. I mean, financing is the biggest thing. And then the programs that, that Congress decides to support. So many times we have, in our case, we have issues where we're supporting depots and arsenals. So some of that work that would have been reserved for small business is being motivated that way. Same thing with things like different programs like Ability One. You know, each of our commands has additional um, services that, that we can um, contract for. So it's not just hardware and material and big vehicles and system platforms, but it's also the, you know, the landscaping, the, you know, the, the, the building care, um, a, a building addition. So we have construction. So, so the, I mean, there's, there's so many different things that impact us. And, and I'd like my colleagues to comment because the biggest thing I, I see right now that impacts small business is going to category management. Sure. So in terms of, uh, I'll break it down into two areas, uh, internal stakeholders. So internal stakeholders, as Marie mentioned, are uh, a combination of program managers, uh, contract officers, contract specialists, clinicians, uh, physicians, anyone that has a requirement. And one of the challenges uh, that remains is for them to understand the value added uh, of small businesses. Sometimes uh, there is a perception that small businesses are not capable, and and we know that's not correct. So from an internal standpoint, uh, our office, we are uh, ready and prepared to help with uh, market research efforts uh, that's documented to outline that there are, uh, in certain cases, a wide range of relevant, responsive, and responsible small businesses that can compete and also uh, perform the contract in accordance with the terms and conditions that are outlined. Uh, externally, uh, we have a challenge with small businesses that may not be familiar with how to go through the, the necessary steps to research where an anticipated acquisition is located, how to go about navigating the, the acquisition process, 
And of course, clearly understanding the performance work statement. We always ask in a very polite way that sometimes you may look at a particular requirement, not really understanding the ins and outs. And if that's the case, there's an opportunity at the advanced stages of acquisition planning for you to, uh, as a small business, to provide us a capability statement, uh, even with the last year, with the COVID. A lot of the face-to-face meetings are on the side, and what we're asking is small businesses provide us an email, one- or two-page capability statement outlining their core capabilities. Upon receipt of that, we can share that with the contracting officers, contract specialists, others for market research, and then we'll use that as a continuation to help facilitate as far as the information that's being provided. I think uh, what I would have to say identifies more with Jerome's comments and the internal and external stakeholders uh, internally get, getting us the small business offices involved early in the process because so often it feels like we're an afterthought. You know, if, if you get small business offices and small business professionals involved early, uh, we can help you in crafting what it is that you want to do and do some of that market research uh, to show that small businesses either may have the capability of doing uh, what you're looking to do for your requirement or no, at this time they don't, but maybe they can do some subcontracting within your requirement. And then externally, when contractors come into us, understanding what the command does that you are coming to, because often people will start a business and have their hand out and say, okay, where's my contract? Not knowing exactly what we do in our individual commands. And so, you know, not, not only do we have to deal with existing contractors, we have to deal with contractors who are starting out and trying to educate them. And the best way to do that from my perspective, is sending those startups to uh, the procurement technical assistance centers where they're the ones who can do more of the handholding with the startups and, and helping to take you through the process until it's time to come to us when you are up and running and ready to compete for contracts. I'm so glad you mentioned the PTACs is the acronym, P-T-A-C, for what you just described Our latest episode just published was with Sherry Savage, who is an expert on the PTAP, which is the program that supports these PTAC centers. And it's very exciting because it's creating all these points of interface with small business. And it's such an extension to government to train others to properly interface with small businesses, even though the, you know, there's certain things they cannot do. They, they don't award, they have no award authority or things like that. But it's a timely mention. So I appreciate that, Christopher. Yeah, I'd like to chime in on that. I think the PTECs are critical because one of the things people don't remember when they come to us is I'm an advocate for small business, but my real job is to make sure that the requirements offices and all our internal customers utilize the program accordingly. So what happens is people think we're an agent. We are not an agent. I'm not going to tell you how to do a, a, a proposal. I'm not going to tell you what what we require, going to tell you who the POCs are that you need to get in contact with. But that's one of the things that I find our team has to go over and over again, is that a lot of the small businesses that are new when they come in, think that we're going to tell them every single thing. So our our biggest toolkit is the PTAS. 
you know, every state has them. Uh, I'm very lucky that I have some really great, great ones in my region, you know, but, but people need to know how to reach out to them. I, I find them very crucial in getting uh, my small businesses educated to do business with us. Yeah, it sounds like a, a more granular level of support and a bit of hand-holding. Am I right? Yes, I'd say so because they have the introductory classes as well as they will uh, assist a, a vendor on how to submit that proposal and the uh, additional information and things that, that they need to provide. You know, all of our organizations put out outreach. Most of our outreach right now is virtual. Um, I'm going to put a plug in for the Michigan Defense Exposition that's coming up for us in May. But what what makes that really good is an event where folks can come and they can talk with our program executives. They can talk with our technical experts on things. They want to engage with them. Okay, so many times we get contacted and people become very demanding. Like, I want to talk to an engineer that does this. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. First of all, is this even going to be a requirement that we're looking for? I mean, we have all types of different small business innovative research programs, CIBR. We have technical programs. We have like all these different places that we can send folks to depending on what kind of technology or what they can, they can provide us. So it's, it's, it's trying to find out, you know, where does that small business need to go? What, what do they want to be? You know, what kind of need are they going to fulfill? You know, I'm not just going to buy it because you have it. So, so that, that's been the trick for, for us. And I'm not sure about the other two gentlemen, but maybe they want to comment on, I want to call it the right fit. Where do you fit? Right. And, and I think it's incumbent upon contractors to do their homework again before coming to us. Uh, understanding again what it is that that we do, and you know we we work with each other. So if if it happens that what it is that they do falls more into Jerome's uh, wheelhouse or Marie's wheelhouse, then I'll definitely uh, push them over to to them and and our other colleagues. But we don't want them to waste their time and for our time to be wasted when all they have to do is just a little homework. Uh, looking on our websites to see what it is that we do before they come in or before they request a meeting. And a lot of times they can find, well, this this may not be the fit. Uh, this may not be the place where I need to go and just do a little more research before they reach out. Yeah, there's a matchmaking aspect to things. And it sounds like, like you said, people start a business. There's a bit of naivete. Where is my award? Where in reality they you know they're facing the the kind of numbers game where you try and try again, and you sell your value proposition and the fact that you are the fit for a given project and and someone made a remark very early on in our conversation that there's a perception that small businesses are not important, but you know you think about that part of the supply chain it may be a small business that makes that one critical widget that goes into a fighter jet. And that's unique, but getting that value proposition out there, finding the right fit where you can be so integral to a system like that. I'm sure it has to be an exciting prospect for these companies. They know they've got some worth and value to deliver, but being new, they they have to be shown the ropes. So I think that's the spirit of your remarks, Christopher. 
I just have one other comment, uh, and just to echo both Marie and Christopher's comments. One of the things that is central, and again, we talked about the added value of the P-tax. So here in our particular area, the P-tax are certainly a part of the team. We, at times, will refer small businesses to the P-tax. And we also ask the small businesses, especially if they're relatively new to the federal government, because one of the essential components of the PTAC, that mission is to help small businesses compete. And I'll kind of underscore the competition side. There's a lot of the small businesses out there. So what we ask the small businesses to consider what are the key differentiators of their particular small business, depending upon the category. If it's a woman-owned small business, service-disabled, veteran, small disadvantaged business, hub zone, what are the key differentiators of their particular small business that will help the contracting officer say, yep, I have 12 small businesses for market research purposes. Out of the 12, six are on the right focus. The other six are not. So again, as Chris indicated, we want to make sure that uh, nobody's wasting their time from you know, a prospective or incumbent contractor, small businesses. And we want to keep the dialogue you know, in, in the lines of communication open. So when we receive those type of emails and people are asking questions, small businesses, we will refer them to the appropriate agency. If it's you know SBA, if it's a PTAC, or if I refer them to another uh, service corps retired executive, so they can receive some uh, some assistance. And much of that assistance uh, can be at, at no cost. So I, I certainly uh, agree with my colleagues that there's good opportunity for small businesses to learn. But the key is we want to make sure they compete and they fulfilled the terms and conditions of the contract when it's awarded. I just want to mention that, you know, we probably need to go back a little further to SBA, to the Small Business Administration, because there's a lot of new startups that need to understand, you know, uh, getting registered, going through uh, the SBA, their website to develop themselves. You know, I mean, we, yeah, we have a lot of businesses we work with every day, but we're starting to get a lot of new startups, especially during this pandemic, on a lot of different people coming up with different solutions for things. So I, I think it's important that they make sure their their registrations are up to date, that their codings are up to date, because sometimes those change. So, you know, I think I think the first thing they need to look at, and even if they've been in business a while, is go back to the SBA website and make sure everything's up to date. Kind of making sure the basics are in place before you start trying to tailor yourself to the world of government and the particular requirements to work with us. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And they also have to really look and they need to do their market research because if we're moving and I had mentioned about category management, as we are authorized by Congress to move into some of these different ways of what they call savings. They got to save on a re acquisition requirements and that. Well, that means I might be grouping items that maybe before I would have awarded to several folks. And now even before I've decided it, it's going to maybe a large GSA type contract in that. So they have to really make sure that there's a market there for them. Absolutely, which goes to that word about knowing your differentiation and your value proposition, who you're targeting. Now, we have a particular challenge these days. We're hearing more and more about technology, and there's a lot of these new companies or companies that are on the, the bleeding edge that we're trying to work with and trying to lure or entice to work with the government so that we can absorb new technology and 
not fall behind. I wanted to get your collective thoughts on that. How are we doing with keeping up with these small but high technology companies that we need to be partnering with? Well, I know for United States Army Medcom, uh, we have a couple of different areas that we're focused on. One, of course, is the SBIR, Small Business Innovative Research, STTR, Small Technical Technology Research Program. Uh, a lot of good information on the website. I actually just had opportunity to uh, chat with some of my SBIR, STTR colleagues. And within the Army Medical arena, you would be surprised, however impressed with many small businesses that are looking to help bring on new technologies, innovative technologies that will help the, the warfighter, especially in a austere environment. We have quite a few examples. One example I'll give uh, very quickly, Anthony, is one dealing with the uh, portable oxygen. Uh, so you can imagine if you're out in the field, uh, you know, you're at the, we'll say the battalion aid station, of course you can have the, the large cylinders for, for oxygen and what we're looking for is uh, companies that are developing oxygen uh, for deployed Army casualty care. Right now, we have a couple of companies looking at uh, developing a lightweight device that generates the oxygen for deployed uh, medical uh, facilities and personnel. And, and again, that's just one example, but there's many, many others. And I'm very impressed with the, uh, the small businesses that have a, either as a prime or a subcontractor uh, innovative uh, and, and relevant uh, solutions that they can bring forward. And one of the areas we ask them to do is look at the uh, SBIR, STTR program. And that program is the means by which we're able to engage these kinds of companies faster? Yes. And again, the process that if you're a small business and you, if you want to introduce your particular product uh, through the SBIR program, there are three phases uh, that they should consider going through the SBIR uh, program for funding. Thank you. Yeah, and don't forget about the other transactional agreements, the OTAs. That's where we have a lot of new and upcoming type designing uh, small businesses that don't really want to do business with us to be registered fully and, and, to, and to follow our accounting and all of that. You know, the OTAs are, are set up so that, that we can bring that technology in. And um, we're, you know, we're doing some great things with that. And I think each each organization has a section like that, just like each organization has the CIBR and the technology, the STTR as well. Sure. I, I just wanted to mention one other program that small businesses, I think, uh, should look at, and that is the Mentor-Protégé uh, program, uh, which... Uh, has large businesses or established small businesses mentoring small businesses. And so basically, if they, it's an agreement, it's a formal agreement between that large business or that established small business, uh, and they sit down and decide within a three-year period, I need training for my people, I need these competencies, I need these certifications, that type of thing. And so they help them to come along you know, the, the company may already be established. The, the, the small business who is the uh, protege may already be ha have something established that they're doing, but just may may not be winning contracts uh, for some reason or another or need help in getting up to speed on various things. And so the larger companies can help them with those things. So I think that that, too, can be a major thing for small businesses to come up to speed with their technologies and, and other things within their own company. 
That sounds like a wonderful opportunity, that mentorship, so that they can follow in the footsteps of folks who have been through it. It's not their first rodeo, and they, they, they know all the pitfalls and all the ways to success. So that's an exciting program to hear about. I had not heard about that before on this program. No, it, it, it's an absolutely wonderful program. And, you know, the thing about that particular program, a lot of companies think that once they get into it, Again, where are my contracts? No, this is a training program, and it's helping you, as Jerome said, to be competitive out there uh, so that it brings you up to speed. If there's something that your company is lacking, again, the established company kind of looks within your company to see what is it that we can help you with to come up to speed with. So if it's some kind of certification and the government pays for all this, that's, that's the thing. And the mentoring company gets a credit, small business credit for being a part of the program. So it's a win-win all the way around. It sure sounds like it. Anthony, I just wanted to say the folks need to remember, we're just discussing an army that all those scenarios are repeated through the other military agencies as well. So we're not the only program. You're going to see it in Air Force. You're going to see it in Navy. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities. Yes, there's a lot out there that small businesses can avail themselves of. There's sort of versions of what we're describing across the branches is what you're saying, Marie? That is correct. I'd like to get your overall take. How are we doing? You know, I grew up in New York as a kid with Mayor Koch saying, how am I doing? How are we doing? Are we making it easier overall as time goes by are we making it easier for small business to work with the government uh, what is your perspective uh I'll, I'll chime in on that i think we're doing our very best to try to give small business opportunities to meet with us marie mentioned the event coming up there in michigan and we all have similar events. We just finished at Redstone, our, our team, Redstone Advanced Planning Brief to Industry, where we had almost all of the 70, you know, close to 80 different commands and agencies come in and talk about what it is that they're looking for for businesses and the, the various opportunities that there are at Redstone. So we not only had our presence for AMCOM, but there are other small business agencies within, again, within the walls of, of AMCOM that we invite. So, you know, we have NASA and Missile Defense Agency, Army Contracting Command. All of them have small business offices. So we try to make it very easy uh, or as easy as we can for small businesses to be able to reach out to us and to talk to us and to make sure they know who to go to. You know, another important thing is how do they find all this? You know, so many folks don't realize how to filter and use the beta.samgov because Congress said we're supposed to publish the things we do. So there's sections in there where we do synopsis, where we do advertising, where we do requests for information. It's all in there and it's all done way ahead of time. So it isn't a last minute thing. So one of the big homework things I think that, that small businesses should make sure they're assigned to is checking it out, understanding that I have a thing that's an address. Okay, we call it a DODAC. If you know my DODAC, you can try to find whatever I have coming up, whether it's events, whether it's requirements, whether I'm just trying to find if there's somebody out there that can do something. So, so there are tools there. It's just folks have to take the time to use them, and they can find a lot. 
Is there a lack of education of their availability, or do we have to do more to point people to those tools and resources? Well, I think there is probably uh, room for improvement on both sides. So I'll talk again about uh, internal or within the Army. The last year especially, uh, a lot of uh, events, face-to-face events, were canceled or postponed. Uh, Some of them converted to a hybrid or virtual so I think from the Army standpoint, we've done a, uh, a good job of ensuring, even during the global pandemic, we're making opportunities for small businesses to participate in a process, whether it's through a, a virtual matchmaking or a, attendance to obtain relevant information. On an external standpoint, the external stakeholders, uh, from, their, from their standpoint, they should continue, uh, Anthony, they should, they should continue to contact uh, small business professionals, contracting officers, Individuals within the Small Business Administration, uh, the Procurement Technical Assistance Centers, there should be no excuse in the sense, even during the restrictions for uh, social distancing, that will prevent them from competing and learning about new opportunities or existing opportunities. Uh, most, most individuals are working from home remotely, and I know that from uh, my office here, I, I receive a plethora of phone calls and emails on a daily basis. And I, and I welcome those phone calls and emails. And if I don't have the answer or if the team here, the small business you know, office does not have the answer, uh, we can certainly uh, talk with our counterparts or our colleagues and refer them to the appropriate offices uh, so they won't you know, spin their wheels, so to speak, in terms of trying to find out what's going on. So there should be adequate opportunities for small businesses to compete. And again, sometimes that's the easy part. Uh, but the, the hard part is, as Marie and, and Christopher mentioned, is what do you do once you identify that particular anticipatory requirement? Uh, are, are you ready to uh, submit your, your proposal? Or do you need some help? And, and of course, once you receive the award, uh, that's an important part. But if the award starts to follow a month, are you ready and prepared to deliver uncompromised service support business solutions without fail uh, and consistent with the terms and conditions outlined in the contract? You know, on that note about COVID and how it has impacted things, of course, COVID's not a good thing. But so I want to make sure you understand my question uh, in terms of how we do business has it overall proven to be an impediment or or has it become a little bit of a blessing in disguise? Has it changed the way you do business, maybe pushed more people online, maybe have more interfacing occurring online because of the new tool set that we all have to adopt? I just wanted to get your thoughts. You're, you're correct. Uh, so it's, it's more uh, most uh, for the past year, uh, mostly converted to online. Um, again, no, no, I'm here at Fort Detrick. Uh, my office is restricted, uh, and I know once they lift the restrictions, uh, I can still get the information to a incumbent or prospective small business telephonically using one of the video teleconference platforms with the Zoom or Microsoft Teams or via email. And, and it's done pretty efficiently, and it cuts down, I guess, for someone trying to travel to an installation or somebody's working remotely. And so I think we're, we're, we're doing the right thing uh, in the absence of uh, the face-to-face meetings. Yeah. In fact, an opportunity like this, come to think of it, is, you know, we're creating a resource that might not have existed had we not had this additional push to create resources like this and make it available. So hopefully in our, our own way today, we're fulfilling that hope that we're still creating every opportunity for small business. 
Yeah, I just want to mention that each organization has a plan that if something tragic occurs that we could not get on base, how we would operate. So we implemented our plans and that's how we've been operating through the pandemic. So actually, uh, we haven't missed a beat as far as reporting, as far as getting the information out, as far as the types of uh, electronic uh, formats we're using with vendors or as, as was indicated, um, you know, the MS teams and, um, we started doing like forums and in, in some instances, since we can't use our, our iPhones with, with FaceTime and whatnot, we've done that with our personal phones so that we can get ahead of some people that actually want to see somebody and talk to somebody. So we found ways, you know. Yeah, the contingency plans have worked. Speaking for my agency, we've planned for an event for many, many years. We've been teleworking a little bit. And we've had the thought that if there ever is an event, we can have people telework for a time. Uh, little do we know what kind of a, an enduring time frame it would be in this case. But the system worked. And time and time again, as I speak to people, people didn't miss a beat, uh, to use Marie's words. They quickly adapted to home-based situation, a domestic setting where the work went on. So uh, very exciting, very encouraging. I want to, as we wind up, I, I'd like to ask each of you in turn, if you have any advice for us, any advice, whether it's for small businesses or acquisition professionals, I'll just let whoever answer in turn. What advice do you have to offer today? You know, Anthony, I, I would, for acquisition professionals, you know, again, I would go back to getting small business, the small business professionals involved early. Again, so many times they come to us asking us to sign an acquisition strategy or something of that nature where they've already in their mind made up that this is the direction they want to go in and have not even involved us early on where we look at it. And when we push back, you know, of course, it may make them a little mad sometimes, but you know, we're there to advocate for small businesses. We know that they can do the job. We know that they're very agile and can turn like large businesses can't uh, in some instances. So just to get us involved early in the acquisition process so that if small businesses can be involved, we want them involved. Excellent. I just want to say that at our command, what we've done is we've collaborated. So my customer and my contracting folks, my legal folks, all of us get together before an acquisition plan is even routed to an executive. So we have those discussions early. I always like to tell them, you know, they always say, you know, get to the table early. I said, just tell me where, because I'll bring my own chair. And, and we make sure that, that we're there and represented there. And then for the small businesses, I just like to say, do your due diligence. You have all the tools. You need to use them. And then, you know, if, if you're having issues, you come to our office. We're more than happy to help. And then we don't have a problem. My other saying is I, I don't mind telling you where to go, but you'll leave with a smile on your face. <laughs> Excellent. I'll, I'll echo Marie's comments uh, as well as Christopher. Internally, acquisition professionals, keep the lines of communication open. Again, Christopher already mentioned about 
getting us involved at the early phases of the acquisition planning. Uh, oftentimes that happens, but there are occasions. Uh, there's a last-minute requirement that they need something PDQ, and they come to us uh, almost at the 11th hour. Uh, but have no fear. We, we will certainly help in terms of the market research and identify reputable, relevant, and responsive small business firms that can compete for that particular requirement. On an external site, as Marie just mentioned, we strongly encourage and we want to empower the small businesses to do business with us. The small businesses represent the economic engine of the nation. They have a lot of innovation, a lot of relevancy, and we strongly encourage them. However, we want to make sure that they don't bite off more than they can chew. So what does that mean? You know, sometimes we say undersell, overperform. You know, in translation, read the requirement, understand it. There's time for them to communicate with the contracting officer. Once the contract is consummated and awarded, that's when the real work begins. We want to make sure that they start to cultivate that working relationship, Anthony, that there's uh, no excuses. And when there are problems, the small businesses know exactly what they need to do to contact the contract officer, the contract officer representative, resolve that problem quickly, and ensure that there's no interrupted uh, services. I love how you captured all of that, Jerome. I can hear the passion for small business. Again, small businesses are the backbone of our economy, and there's so much creativity to be unleashed, but we have to help them to avail themselves of the tools as well. Just one more thing. If, you know, as a small business, if you did not come in on the receiving end of an award, don't be afraid to ask for a debrief or to make sure to go, make sure to sit, listen, take notes so that you can see where you fell short and what it is that you can do better the next time. Because so many companies either don't ask for a debrief or go in with you know, some kind of attitude and they're trying to explain at that time. Well, that's not the time to explain. That's the time to listen uh, to where you fell short and go and make some adjustments to how you uh, submit your proposals. Uh, So that I think that's an important thing. It's a learning time for you to understand where you fell short and what you need to do the next time. Absolutely. You you might have missed the target. You might have been a little bit off target, but it's an opportunity to learn how to do it better next time and hit it dead on. Hey, let's go a little bit uh, before that. You know, when they go on to the beta.sam and they're looking at solicitations, let's say they see something wrong. Well, before that thing is going to close, they need to go to their contracting officer and their contract specialist to say, hey, I make this item for General Dynamics and I'm at revision M. Why are you buying C? I think there's a problem. And it may be, we may have gone out with a old tech data package, but if nobody told us, I can have an issue because I might be trying to award something that's not going to fit the mission because I don't have an updated technical data package. So when they're looking at those solicitations, it's really up to them to say, you know, hey, this is a casting. This is a forging. It takes 200 days to get this. You're not going to get it in five days. So they need to to bring some reality to the contracting staff when they see something that obvious that's posted in a solicitation. Oh, that's a great point. The requirement itself may be unrealistic is what I'm hearing. Yep, that's correct. 
Well, this has been a great discussion. Again, the collective wisdom that we have here is a really tremendous opportunity for our audience. I want to thank my guests, Marie Gapinski, Jerome Maltzby, Christopher Evans, all from the Army, all small business professionals. Thank you all for being a part of this discussion. Thank you, Anthony. It's a team effort, and uh, I certainly appreciate having an opportunity to participate in this podcast along with my esteemed colleagues, Christopher and Marie. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah, I second the motion. Thank you so much for the opportunity. We appreciate everything, Anthony, and to my colleagues. Thank you. Thank you all. Have a wonderful day and keep up the good work. This is Ken Karkoff once more. I want to thank our guests for participating in today's conversation. Your insights and perspectives will surely help our listeners. And an invitation to our listeners, if you'd like to participate as a guest in a future conversation, please reach out to me at kenneth.karkoff at dau.edu. Till next time, stay engaged and collaborate across your networks. Everyone's talents and skills are needed within the defense industrial base as we fulfill the national defense strategy together.